Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. Good morning, everybody. Today is Monday, February 5th. Thanks for joining me on Mosaic, the stories of real estate. This is Mike Nelson, CEO of Efficient Lending Incorporated. We're a mortgage brokerage headquartered in Waco, Texas. We originate loans in Colorado, Texas, in Florida. And I appreciate you you checking out my weekly updates, the stories of real estate. And of course, as I always mention, this is powered by MBS Highway. And if you don't know who MBS Highway is, just Google MBS Highway and Barry Habib, and you'll come to realize that the, this organization really is the de facto source for all things real estate and mortgage financing in the United States. And so this is a really important update week. There's a lot of volatility going on in the marketplace. Um, depending on the media sources that you're consuming, you may be hearing kind of great numbers about jobs, but but we need to peel back those numbers and understand how they're impacting the marketplace and, and really there's more to the information that's hitting the headlines on mainstream media right now. So I'm hoping that uh, my podcast, Mosaic here, can be uh, kind of a source, an additional data point where you can get clarity into what's going on in a volatile market. And as I always mention, it's really important to understand week over week trend in real estate. And the reason we want to do that is because it helps us set expectations for what we think is going to happen in the markets, marketplace, real estate downstream. And so there's a bunch of numbers that came out last week, and I'm going to run through them in the headlines here in a moment. And that's going to set expectations for what we think is going to happen in the future. But it also kind of goes backwards a little bit and kind of confirms or puts a shadow of a doubt on some of the expectations we have about inflation and the the job market and things of that nature. So hopefully these updates are really helpful. And as always, guys, go to my website, efficientlending.net. You can go to the Learning Center and you can print out the the written copy of this update that adds a little more color. And I always love phone calls at 720-419-3016. So feel free to pick up the phone and call me and we can we can kind of chat through it as well. And then I'm going to end today's session with my mortgage morsel, which is going to talk, be talking about a great tool I have called the cost of waiting tool that kind of calculates what's the cost of waiting to purchase a home until you think maybe rates come down or something of that nature. It's a great tool. And so I'll run through that as well. All right. Jumping into the headlines. The headlines for last week uh, really were around labor and the Fed. And so the Fed, um, the Fed funds rate likely has hit its peak, meaning, remember, when the Fed lowers or raises interest rates, they're not touching mortgage rates directly. What they're doing is affecting and impacting the federal funds overnight rate, which is the cost of money that big banks use to borrow money from the Fed. And that indirectly then connects to mortgages. Uh, we're also going to talk about the January jobs report. You may have heard about this on um, on Friday. The number came out and it was just a 
a big number, a bunch of jobs were added. But lo and behold, we really need to peel back that onion because it's really not what it seems. Um, we had a slow start for private sector job growth. Um, and while that's happening, we have a surprising uptick in December's job openings. Oh, gosh, how do we make sense of that? It seems like we got two different headlines with talking about different things. Unemployment claims rose for the second straight week. And then, of course, home prices are improving nicely. So let's un unpack some of these uh, headlines that we have. So we think that the Fed uh, has likely hit its peak in raising interest rates. And we're basing on that on, uh, that on the fact that they didn't raise rates last week. So we're still in this range of five and a quarter to five and a half percent. It was a unanimous decision by the, Ford, uh, the Fed board members, and it was the fourth straight meeting in which the Fed paused additional hikes. So that's good. So they, the Fed is saying in their comments that <clears throat> they believe that, the, that the, um, it had, the federal funds rate has reached its peak in the cycle, but they don't expect to see cutting of interest rates until there's a greater confidence that inflation has moved sustainably toward their kind of made up 2% inflation market number. So those comments come out and it makes the market jittery, the bond market. And when I say bond market, I'm referring to mortgage-backed securities. Those are mortgage bonds. And mortgage bonds, for the purposes of our conversation here, think synonymous with mortgage interest rates. That's obviously a generalization, but it works for kind of what we're talking about. So in, in his press conference, Jerome Powell also acknowledged that inflation data has been favorable over the last six months but he's not quite sure they're going to raise uh, or cut rates on their March 20th meeting, um, meaning the Fed wants to see more good data. So lo and behold, that information comes out and then we get the February jobs, excuse me, the January jobs report uh, from the BLS, the Bureau of Labor Statistics. And lo and behold, there's 353,000 jobs created in January which was nearly double the expectations of what the market thought was going to happen. Okay, so this big headline number comes out, 353,000 jobs. Yes, that's great information because we want people to be working and we want people to be employed, but you have to understand what that means to a bond market. Remember, inflation is the arch enemy of bonds. And one thing that the bond market looks like to determine is inflation happening is what does employment look like? So because if we have more employment, we have more money chasing fewer goods in the marketplace. So this big number, 353,000 jobs come about. It's great number. Yes, we're in election cycle. Yes, there's politics. And all of a sudden, lo and behold, it's a big headline number. But let's back that up a little bit. In that number of 353,000 created jobs, that is a what's called seasonally adjusted number. If you look at the non-seasonally adjusted number, there was actually 2.5 million job losses uh, in January. Okay, so what happens? What's a seasonal adjustment? Well, the BLS looks at things like weather, trends, seasonality, and they make adjustments. So when these numbers come out, they get seasonally adjusted downstream. And so the unemployment rate uh, stayed firm uh, at 3.7%, but we have this huge seasonal adjustment in the headline labor number that shows 353,000 jobs. We back out the seasonality and the real number is about 2.5 million losses. There's also another number that comes out in the um, unemployment numbers, and that's called the household survey. So that the headline number that we all hear is modeling statistical analysis, statistical data. 
But the household survey is a survey in which actual phone calls are made to households and people are checked in and surveyed. Do you have a job where you let laid off where you let go? Well, lo and behold, the household survey number shows a net loss of 73,000 jobs. So we have this one headline number that everybody hears about. I got multiple calls from real estate agents last week saying, hey, Mike, what's going on with the headline uh, jobs numbers, the market that strong? Because that's not what we hear in the marketplace anecdotally. And lo, lo and behold, we peel back the number, we see there's some seasonal adjustments, and, and we kind of wonder what's going on with that. Okay, so there's also a number, uh, <clears throat> another uh, report called the ADP report. And so that, that is done by ADP, and it's also a survey. And so they're, sh they're showing uh, that there was a slower uh, uh, start to 2024 on payrolls than what everybody suspected. So as we look at uh, the, this information in the marketplace, we've got the headline number, which shows huge job growth. We've got the household survey that shows job loss. And then we've got ADP, which is private payrolls, which are showing slower than expected. So what can we expect going farther? Well, let me back up one step. I'll, I'll say, what, how, does, how does this labor information kind of meet with the expectations I had in the marketplace? Well, I was very much surprised by this huge gain in the household number. I, to me, it's, it seems suspect. That's my opinion, obviously, because I know what inflation is doing. Inflation is coming down. Uh, anecdotally, I hear as I talk to my customers, buyers, what's going on in the marketplace. It's a tough labor market. So that number doesn't necessarily jive. So what can I expect going forward? Well, it wouldn't surprise me in the months to come if, see, if we see revisions to this January labor number and if we see the market respond favorably to that. And if that does happen, then certainly not in the March Fed meeting, maybe we'll see rate cuts in April and May. So my expectation is I'm expecting to see rate cuts in April and May because I think we're going to get revisions to this January jobs number. Of course, I can be wrong. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen, uh, and none of us do, but those are kind of my expectations of how I'm operating and running through um, uh, my week. So next headline, unemployment claims rise for a second straight week. So the initial jobless claims are their highest level since November. 224,000 people filed for unemployment benefits for the first time. Continuing claims, those are people who are continuing their claims, also went up 70,000 to 1.898 million people still uh, getting jobs. So put that in the mix as well. That number is more in lockstep with what my expectations are in the marketplace. So we have the, the headline number saying there's all these job gains, but then we have unemployment gains, gains and we have continuing claims also rising in the marketplace. So we got to think about that. And then that does, again, reinforce why I think that we may have some rate cuts, April, May, June, July timeframe. And there's some other corresponding data sources that talk about that as well. And then lastly, the home prices are continuing to move up. Case Shiller, uh, which is considered the gold standard for appreciation, showed home, price, home prices rose nationwide two-tenths of a percent from October to November after seasonal adjustment. Guys, that is the 10th straight month of gains with home price appreciation. And I think we're going to end up after we get through the next couple months, we'll see that home prices rose somewhere between 5 and 7%, depending on where you are um, in, in the marketplace. So that's really 
really good news. Um, FHFA also showed um, a rise of three-tenths October to November and 6.6% year over year. It's great news. So the real reason why we have stability in the marketplace right now, there's just no inventory. And if you are looking for uh, to buy a house, if you're moving, you, you see it. There's just not a lot of inventory for you to choose from. So that lends itself well to a stable, appreciating marketplace. So based on the information that we've gotten in last week's headline, what are my expectations? Here's what I think is going to happen. I think we're going to have a volatile couple of weeks as we sift through this labor data that comes through. I, uh, yesterday or Friday and today, the market has not done well. It's declined. Uh, interest rates have, have gone up a little bit. And I think we're going to see that smooth out over the next couple of weeks. And then I think we're going to start to see revisions to some of these numbers and the market will take that favorably. And I think we'll continue to see inflation come down, which will be favorable for housing as well. Again, who knows? I don't know, but that's what I'm expecting to happen in the marketplace. All right. My, my mortgage morsel that I'm going to leave you with, it's called the cost of waiting tool. This is a great tool. It's fueled by MBS highway as well. So the analysis is this, as we look at today's interest rates, we try to kind of predict what's going to happen in the future. And then what we do is we, you know, we look at the metrics of the mortgage that somebody's thinking about, down payment, the loan type, um, you know, the, how long the loan's going to be, the term of the loan. And then we look at things like market appreciation. And so we say, okay, if we purchase a home today versus waiting, you know, six months, nine months, a year, two years, whatever it is, how much more expensive will it be to wait uh, another year to buy a home. And we're bringing in uh, things such as what's going to potentially happen with interest rates, market appreciation, and also the lost cost of amortization. So if you buy a home today, you're starting your amortization sooner, and there's a cost benefit to that. It's a great tool. We can get really uh, pretty granular with it down to zip codes. So if you're in Colorado, Texas, and Florida, give me a call. I'd be more than happy to work through some scenarios with you and try to help you understand what the cost of waiting um, is uh, as it pertains to a real estate purchase. All right, that's my update for today, uh, Monday, February 5th. Uh, you can find me online at efficientlending.net. I'm on YouTube and uh, obviously my podcast and Facebook. Just go to my website, efficientlending.net, and you'll get all that information where to find me. I also love phone calls. It's my favorite way to connect with people at 720-419-3016. As always, thanks for connecting uh, on my podcast. I certainly appreciate it and hope you have a great February. Thanks for joining us on Mosaic, the stories of real estate. And a big thank you, as always, to Rogue Media Network and their support of this podcast. They're so appreciated. My name is Mike Nelson. I'm the CEO of Efficient Lending Incorporated, a mortgage company located in Colorado, Texas, and Florida. You can reach us at YouTube at Efficient Lending or on Facebook at Efficient Lending. And of course, I always love a phone call at 720-419-3016. Email works as well at mike at efficientlending.net. Efficient Lending Incorporated, NMLS 1876539. And my individual NMLS number is 1314188. As always, thanks for listening to Mosaic, the stories of real estate. And we look forward to connecting with you again on a future episode. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.